Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you would like to receive kind of pastoral, biblical perspective on. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call, and the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. We're so glad that you're tuning in today. Wherever you're tuning in from, we want to welcome you. So first of all, welcome to those of you who are listening here in Colorado and up into southern Wyoming on Grace FM, up and down the front range of the Rockies here. Uh, you guys are hearing the show live all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Pueblo, Colorado. We're so glad that you guys are with us. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. We also want to greet those of you who are tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the show those of you tuning in there on hope fm we also want to greet those who are tuning in on truth fm in tennessee and parts of north carolina and kentucky welcome to the program it is great to have you with us we're so glad to see how god is growing this family of you know listening stations as well as those who are tuning in online we want to give you a reminder though that those of you listening on the east coast that means on hope fm and truth fm you're hearing this program on a one-week delay but we would still love for you to call in and then you guys actually have a unique opportunity where you get to tune in a week later and hear yourself live on the radio and that also gives you an opportunity to invite somebody who perhaps hasn't heard about the station yet or doesn't usually listen to tune in to hear you, but you're, you're helping them to also get connected to great Bible teaching and this, this entirety of this program as well as that local station. So definitely take advantage of that opportunity for those of you who are on the East Coast, Hope FM and Truth FM. But those of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming, as well as those listening online, you are hearing the show live. So welcome to the show. We want you to call in with your questions about the Bible and everything going on in your life. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. I'm getting uh, the list now of people who are tuning in online. It's kind of cool that we can see you guys live. We want to give a shout out to somebody in Usima, Finland. Welcome. Finland, South Africa, and Ukraine represented, as well as many people here in the United States. Looks like a lot of listeners today in the Southwest United States. So welcome all you listeners in Arizona, California, New Mexico, as well as uh, parts of Colorado and Texas, of course. And 
We have listeners on the East Coast, on the Southeast, Chicagoland, as well as up in the Pacific Northwest. So wherever you're tuning in from today, we're so glad you're with us. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can call in with your prayer requests, anything going on that you'd like a biblical perspective on or a pastoral perspective on. We'd love to chat with you about that. We'd love to pray for you. Give us a call. The number is 303 690 that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the program is always a great time to call in. We usually have open lines like we do right now where you can call in. We'll get you on pretty quickly. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. I'll give you a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Our church uh, recently moved, so we want you to know that and make note of that for those of you. And maybe you haven't visited us yet. Maybe now is a great time for you to do that. You know, with a lot of uh, churches not being opened or having limited availability, uh, we are blessed where we're located. We're actually in the Weld County part of Longmont. And so that gives us a lot more freedom with gathering. Of course, we're still following all the state regulations for the state of Colorado as far as limitations on gatherings, as far as uh, wearing personal protective equipment, you know, and wearing masks and all of those things. Our staff, of course, taking uh, great lengths, going to great lengths to make sure that we provide a welcoming and safe environment for everybody who comes to worship. But we're really glad that we have the opportunity to worship in person. And uh, we'd love to have you join us. If you'd like to, we have our main sanctuary and then we have overflow rooms. So, we have, um, you know, we've been having fairly full services uh, with the social distancing in place, but we do have room for more people, and we'd love to have you join us. And so the address for our church is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So this is our new location, 2950 Colorful Avenue. We're just a little bit east of County Line Road and Highway 119, which is also called Ken Pratt Boulevard here in Longmont. So we are just on the north side of, sandstone ranch sports complex so sandstone ranch sports complex is just to the south of our building we're on the north side of ken pratt or highway 119 here in longmont and we'd love to have you uh, come and join us come and worship with us on a sunday morning you can also join us online so if you're looking for a place to worship online um, you know place that has worship and teaching that you can join in with and get connected to and grow in the word we'd love for you to join us online as well so our services are live in person and online every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Again, our address, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. A really prominent place. We're right here on 119. So if you ever drive in and out of Longmont between Longmont and I-25, just look on the north side of the road. You can't miss us. We've got a huge sign on our building. It says Whitefields Community Church. And uh, so we're right just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 here in Longmont. So we'd love to have you join us, and we'd love to have you join us online. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also uh, follow us and connect with us on um, facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch and youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch. So uh, with that said, we're going to remind you, though, that we have the uh, call-in lines all open right now. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a call. It's 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Uh, 
That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Looks like our listener in Finland wrote in and said that uh, they found us on TuneIn. So if you have international friends out there, yeah, you can listen to this program and all the other great programming on Grace FM through several different apps, right? You can listen on Amazon Alexa devices, your Google Home device as well. You can just tell them to search for Grace FM. They'll find it and play it for you. You can also do it through um, iHeartRadio and the TuneIn app. So we'd love for you guys to help spread the word about that. Um, we also have a great Grace FM app that you can get, and it's totally free. So go in your app store and download that. Just type in Grace FM in the search bar as one word, no spaces. It'll come right up. It's perfectly free, and you put that on your device. You can listen anywhere you are in the world. Okay, so we have one question that's come in so far, and that was, how was the backpack outreach? So for those of you who aren't familiar with that, I was telling you about it a little bit over the past month, um, is that our church here in Longmont, Whitefields Community Church, we do an annual outreach in which we work with Weld County Health and Human Services. And we, um, we take names from them of children who are in foster care and in kinship care. Now these are children who in general have been put in that situation because of of really bad, you know, circumstances, right? So these are people who uh, are children whose families, you know, they've experienced abuse, perhaps they've experienced uh, drug abuse or physical abuse or neglect, and they've been removed from their families and they're either living with uh, family members or they're, they've been put into the foster system if they don't have any family members who can take care of them. And, you know, if you look at the statistics about children in foster care and kinship care, what you find is that this is a really large at-risk people group who live in our communities, wherever your community is. And so what we've done as a church, you know, wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus, wanting to, in a practical way, share the love of Christ, and also to help break, you know, patterns of uh, poverty and cycles of poverty. So we've uh, worked with Weld County Health and Human Services to provide backpacks. And what's cool is I, I know that a lot of churches do school supply drives. What's unique about this one is that we actually get names of the children and then we hand those out and you're actually able to take those names, you know, and you're, you're going shopping for this person who's in this grade and lives in this city. And so we've, we've encouraged people to do that. This year uh, we met our goal, which was, uh, it, was, it wasn't just our goal. It was the goal that was given to us by Weld County. They asked us, hey, could you provide this number? And, uh, and so, of course, we said yes. And so the number that we were given was 135 backpacks. And by God's grace, and some of you as well listening on the radio had given uh, to this project. And so by God's grace, we were able to meet that goal. And we delivered the backpacks to Greeley this Tuesday is when we delivered the backpacks to Greeley. And uh, it, was, it was great. It was a blessing. And we're looking forward to how God continues to use this outreach in the lives of these kids. We also do a Christmas time outreach to them as well. So maybe we'll pray for that right now as we wait for more calls to come in. Heavenly Father, we pray for these children who are, who are in kinship and foster care here in northern Colorado. Lord, we pray for them that you would reach them where they're at and the families that they're in. Lord, we pray that you would heal the wounds that they've received through the abuse and neglect throughout their lives. Lord, that you would touch them where they're at, that you would reach them, and that they would come to know you, Jesus, as their Lord, as their Savior, as the one who loves their souls. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, that was great. So um, really, 
Really a uh, great, successful project there. Hey, the number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. So we'll go back uh, over to the text line. It looks like uh, I'm hearing that uh, we didn't have a lot of calls uh, yesterday with the show. And so today would be a great day. I'd love to have you guys call in. So if you have any call or if you have any questions about the Bible, maybe you've been reading in the Bible and there are some questions that you've had, some things that you've been curious about over the years, we'd love to uh, hear from you and hopefully we can answer those questions and bring some clarity. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you say, you know what, I could really use some biblical perspective on this issue. So uh, I'd love to talk with you and hear from you. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And you can also text us, 720-336-0897. We do have a few um few text messages that have come in. But before I do that, I'll just mention that yesterday's show was a special one. Uh, Miles McPherson was a guest. And Miles McPherson is the pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego. And uh, you can search for that later on. I think it's going to go live later this week. You can search for that in the Calvary Live podcast in, the, in whatever podcast app you use. Type in Calvary Live in the podcast app. Uh, Miles McPherson is the author of a good book on race relations, and it's titled uh, The Third Option. The Third Option, and its subtitle is Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. Miles himself uh, was an NFL player, and he's of mixed race, uh, ethnicity, and so he has a unique perspective on it, you know, and so I think that would be something for you to check out. Definitely check out his book, The Third Option. And, uh, you know, that gives you kind of a biblical perspective on how we can approach uh, the times we live in right now where, uh, you know, our country is very divided over race issues. And so maybe check that book out, The Third Option. Definitely check out that podcast episode with Miles McPherson by typing in Calvary Live into the podcast app that you use. Okay, let's go to Jeff on line one. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What's up? So I wanted to ask a question. I, for the last like few years, I've, I've actually believed that I've learned grace, and um, it took me a really long time, I think, to learn it. And the very first question that I had to ask myself is if a homosexual can be a Christian. And um, I think that I came from a background where, uh, you know, I believe that if you're a homosexual, that uh, that you're living in sin and therefore you're evil and you're bad. And I think, you know, diving into that question, I've started to learn kind of the grace of God and sin. Um, but there's some boundaries on that. And I'm just kind of more or less asking you if... Uh, if a homosexual could be a Christian and truly be saved? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Jeff, and it's a good question because it's a question that a lot of people ask today. You know what? I'll tell you this. It's also a deeply personal question for a lot of people out there. It's not just a hypothetical. You know, and I think that's that's where um, a lot of people have gone on this issue is that it's, uh, it's personal to them, and so then um, they've perhaps even changed their beliefs because of, friends they have, or even feelings that they themselves have. I think the biggest thing we have to talk about first is this. 
you ask the question, can a homosexual be a Christian? Well, I think we need to define what you mean by a homosexual. And that might sound like I'm about to split hairs, you know, and like trying to be, um, you know, maybe it seems like a silly thing to say. We have to define what a homosexual is, but we absolutely do before we can even answer that question. Are we talking about a person who is same-sex attracted? So that's called SSA, right? That's the abbreviation for it. Are we talking about a person who is same-sex attracted, or are we talking about a person who is acting upon those attractions and uh, practicing, um, well, let's just put it um, very clearly, right, having sexual relations with a person of the same sex. And so that that's the differentiation we have to make, and I think the answer is going to be different based on that. Let's put it this way. Can you be a same-sex attracted person and be a Christian? And the answer is absolutely you can. There are very many out there. And, um, and you know, it's part of, I would say that it is, um, we have to admit that this is something which it goes against our design and creation. And so we'd say it's part of our fallenness. But you know what? Another part of this is that all of us have attractions to do things which go against the grain of our design. This is, this is part of what it means to be human. And there's a person who's written a lot on this topic. He himself is a same-sex attracted Christian. He's a pastor, and he has chosen a life of celibacy. There are actually several books on this topic that have come out recently. This man I'm thinking of, his name is Sam Albury. Sam Albury, that's A-L-L-B-E-R-R-Y. And he's written a couple books. Uh, one of them is, oh, I'll have to look up the title real quick, but I would definitely encourage you to check it out. His books are very short and they're very helpful. And so the one is uh, called, it's something like, Does God Hate Homosexuals or something like that. And then the other book is called, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? And that one doesn't deal specifically with Christian or with homosexuality as much as it does with um, just the topic of, well, why does God even care about this topic at all? So, can a person who is doing that? Okay, let's put. Let's answer your other question though. Can a person who is a practicing homosexual be a Christian? Well, I know that there are a lot of people who do things which the Bible says are sinful, and yet they consider themselves Christians. Here's the thing, though, that in order to follow Jesus, we have to submit ourselves to His Word and to His will. And so, I would say that if you persist in going down this route of doing something that the Bible forbids and says is sin in which God says in his wisdom is not his design or his will for us then I would say that at that point you're essentially saying to God uh, no you are not my Lord I'm going to do this anyway so there's a there's an issue of submission and I would say that surrender is the essence of worship so at the point when we find ourselves not surrendering to God um, I, I think we have to really call our salvation into question because uh, we have we have uh, essentially said to God you are not my Lord now okay I found the title of that book by the way it's called is God anti-gay and it was part of the questions Christians ask series by Sam Albury so a couple other books that have come out recently um, that I would really recommend um, one is called gay girl good God and uh, that was by and I can't remember her name Jackie something so you know, here's the deal. A lot of lot of people get 
confused about this issue because they'll say, hey, I'm same-sex attracted, therefore I am gay or I am homosexual. They make it an identity issue. Oh, Jackie Hill Perry, sorry, that is the name of the one who wrote the book, um, Gay Girl, Good God. Okay, so the question is, is our, does our attraction define who we are? Does that make us, so if you are attracted to people of the same sex, does that make you a homosexual or is it acting upon those attractions which makes you a homosexual? I'm not sure I have the answer to that. That's why I want to differentiate and say it's absolutely possible to be same sex attracted and yet choose to live a celibate life because what we have with God is that, look, God gives us parameters for marriage and for sex. And so for marriage and for sex, God says, okay, the, his design for marriage and sex is that sex is meant to take place in, inside of a marriage, and that marriage is designed to be between one man and one woman, not, not multiple men, mul uh, multiple women, right? So that, that covers a lot of bases here. It's not just taking uh, aim at homosexual relationships. It's saying this is the design, this is what God created it for, and it's for our good. And anything that deviates from that is what we would call missing the mark. Now, I want to make it very clear that God absolutely loves gay people. God absolutely loves people who are practicing homosexuals. In fact, there's a really interesting discussion that uh, I've been meaning to write more on on my blog. And it is this issue of there's this instance, and I'm going to have to look it up. I believe it's in the Gospel of Mark, where a, a, a servant boy is healed by Jesus. And some people have made the claim that that servant boy who was healed by Jesus, the word for servant boy that's used there could just mean servant boy, but it could also mean that he was a, a sex slave or a concubine, a male concubine, meaning a, that they had homosexual relations. And this boy was healed by Jesus. And so one of the claims that sometimes made is, hey, look, Jesus healed this person's male sex slave. Therefore, Jesus is kind of given his thumbs up and his approval for this kind of relationship, saying that it's okay. Now, here's, here's my contention with that, and I, and I think it's the right answer personally, is first of all, I don't think that that's what it was, but let's say it was. Okay, for the sake of argument, let's say that that's exactly what it was. Would Jesus have healed a person who was practicing homosexuality? And I think the answer is yes. I think Jesus healed a lot of people who were doing, who were caught up in the midst of several different, you know, many different kinds of sinful actions. It did, it wasn't a um, affirmation of what they were doing in those actions, but it was his affirmation that he did indeed love them and care for them right where they were at. And so I think that we do not have to choose between uh, love and affirmation. I think that we can 100% love someone without affirming the actions that they're doing. And I think that the, one of the best examples of this is with parents and children. You know, as a parent, and if you have, uh, you know, kids who reach a certain age, at some point, they're going to start doing things that you do not affirm, but you still love them 100%. Now, of course, there are some bad examples out there of parents who don't do that well, but there, but there are plenty of other examples of pe people who say, hey, look, I don't affirm what you're doing, whatever that is. It might be any kind of destructive behavior. 
and that they say, and yet I love you with my entire heart. You'll always be my child. And I, so I, I just want to affirm that, that we can absolutely uh, love without needing to affirm uh, every action that people make. And the final thought I'll give you on this topic is that it should be a red flag to us that uh, as Western um, thoughts about homosexual practice have changed, and they've changed radically in the last 20 years. As they've changed, what do you know? Christian thoughts on it have also changed, right? Books have come out. Everybody's come out saying, oh, well, now I see it this way. Do you realize that for 1,900 years of Christian history, Christians unanimously agreed that everything that the Bible said about the topic of homosexual practice and homosexual activity, they all agreed on what it said and that it was uh, sin. And so, so it is a bit curious, don't you think? It is a bit uh, something that should give us pause um, to say, oh, well, now we're changing our beliefs and it just so happens to be at the same time that there is this huge pressure from our culture outside to also change our beliefs. See, that's, that's how standards work. In the Bible, the word canon or the word rule of faith, which is, are terms that were used historically to speak about the Bible, that what they both refer to is rule, meaning not like a rule that you have to follow, but a rule like a ruler, right? It tells you how long an inch is. It tells you how long a foot is. And it doesn't change. So if you feel like something, you know, well, I'd like to think that this is a foot. Well, no, we have a ruler that tells us how that is, and it doesn't change um, based on the day or the year or even the uh, century that, w that we're currently in. So uh, I hope that gives you an answer to that. I absolutely uh, believe I am 100% all about grace. And here's the good news. You and I don't need to go around judging people. We can love them exactly where they are at. But I want you to understand that love does not require affirmation. We can 100% love without affirming every action that people do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to let you go because I have another call on the same topic of homosexuality. Uh, let's go to Anna in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Anna. Welcome Hello. to the program. I'm, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Well, I just watched this YouTube video and it just kind of brought to mind some questions um, in it. There was a woman who is a lesbian and she was going to marry her um, fiancé. And um, she had a Jehovah Witness father who basically cut her off and said that he wasn't going to go to her wedding because she was gay. Mm -hmm. And I know, obviously, that there's a huge difference between Jehovah's Witnesses and Christians, but um, it kind of made me question that, like what we should do if we are invited to such a wedding and how to love people, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And it's a question that... We, we really need to figure out because that's that's not it's, this is not going to go away, right? This is something that all of us are going to be faced with and have to deal with. I just want to give you a heads up, Anna, that we're going to have to go to our break in like less than a minute. So if you'd be willing to, you can stay on hold and uh, hold through the break, and I'll, I'll finish answering your question on the other side of the break. Uh, otherwise, you're welcome to, to drop off, and I could just answer your question on the air as you wish. But I'll just begin because I've got about one minute right now before the break. Um, here's my answer. I think that what we have to figure out before we can say yes or no is what are we communicating by attending the wedding? 
And so in some cases, you know, I, and, I, and I think that that has a lot to do with the venue of the wedding. Is the wedding being held in a church? Is the wedding being held outside? Who's officiating the wedding? What does my presence at the wedding communicate? Because on the one hand, I, as I was saying to previous caller, I think that we absolutely can love people. And sometimes that loving uh, goes to the point of just being present in their lives, right? We want to keep the bridge open. We don't want to burn all our bridges. How can we, how can we ever uh, communicate the love of God to people if we burn all our bridges? And so we, we need to be really careful about which hills we die on and which stands we take. Now, that being said, I think there are both uh, reasons why you could say in some cases, yes, I'll attend. And there are reasons why you could say in some cases, no, I won't. But I don't know if you hear the music, but that means that we are about to go to break. So I'm going to finish this thought on the other side of our break. Thank you. Hey, the number to call. We've got two open lines, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. You're listening to the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything in your life that you'd like a biblical perspective on. Right now we're talking about the topic of homosexuality and homosexual marriage. And so uh, the number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or the text line. You can also text us, 720-336-0897. I'm your host. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go back to our last caller. That was Anna in Loveland. And Anna, welcome back. Thanks for holding Hello. And so, Anna, your question was, you know, what is it? What is a Christian perspective on? Should a Christian attend a homosexual marriage or a wedding ceremony? And, you know, what advice can we have on that? So, as I said before the break, I think there are some cases in which you probably could attend in good conscience as a Christian. And there are some cases in which you might want to say, you know what, I'm not going to attend for various reasons. I'll, I'll give you my perspective on that. And that is that I think, as I said before, in order to influence people, in order to share the love of Christ with people, we want to build bridges, not burn bridges. And so if you have a family member, for example, um, you know, I think there are, there are instances in which you could say, you know, it would be fine to attend that wedding. The big issue is this. Are you, by your attendance at that wedding, are you communicating that you condone or affirm uh, what is taking place there? Now, I think it's possible to attend a wedding for the purpose of support and wanting to you know, show someone that you love them and you care about them. I guess it gets also to this question of, would you attend the wedding of a couple who were male and female but they were not believers or perhaps they've been living together and, you know, you, you don't really approve, let's say, of their union or you don't necessarily agree with it, yet would you, would you go? I think if the answer to that question is yes, then in many cases you could say yes also to the wedding of a, a homosexual couple. Um, 
I think there are some cases in which you might say no. And the cases in which personally I would say no, I would say no if that, that was taking place in a church, if the person officiating was a member of the clergy, then I would have to say that I would consider that uh, a line that I wouldn't be willing to cross. And, and personally, I would not uh, officiate ever a homosexual wedding. Yeah. And I also have another question. What if the people that, you know, the people who are homosexual, what if they also claim to be Christian? Because I have a lot of just people on my Facebook and stuff like that who have become, who have come out, um, but they still claim to be Christian and they still claim to love Jesus, which I know might be a whole different, you know, um, question, but. Yeah, it's not, it's not really a different question. I think that's, um, you know, it's related. I think in those cases, you know, in some cases, like I said, the real question is, are you communicating that you affirm that or that you, um, or can you just be there to show support and show that even though you don't necessarily agree with what they're doing, you want to keep lines of communication open. You want to, you value the relationship and uh, you value them as a person. So you, I think that's really the big question you have to answer. And I think it's one of those principal issues where in some cases the answer is going to vary based on the situation. So it's, it's like many things in the Bible, right, where God gives us principles and then he says, seek me for the details of how to apply those principles in your given situation. Yeah. Um, so as far as, um, you know, I think that it's been a little bit, and I won't say a little bit, I think it's been quite unhelpful for um, the blurring of lines. Like I said to our previous caller, we have 1,900 years of Christian history in which people have agreed on what the scriptures are saying on the topic of homosexual sex and relationships. And and now, all of a sudden, in the last 20 years, um, it's it's been changed, and it should be suspicious to us that that is changing at the very same time that our culture's attitudes about this are changing. And so the question is, is this change in you know general attitudes, is this being led by the Holy Spirit or is this being led by our popular culture? And if it's being led by our popular culture, we have always been called to be a countercultural community that, that, play, that, I guess, that follows a different tune. Right? We go after God's word. And so, um, yeah, I'd say, you know, as much as possible, my approach to people who, well, let's put it this way. Someone asked me the other day at church, what would you do if a gay couple um, came into our church on Sunday morning? And you know what I told them? I told them, what would I say to them? I would say, open with me in your Bible to First Kings chapter 19, because that's what we're studying today, right? So I would mm -hmm. welcome them. I would show them love. I would show them grace. I'm sure that there are many people going to my church who are caught up in all kinds of sins that I don't know about. And, you know, I have sometimes couples coming to my church who are not married. And you know what we say to them when they walk in on Sunday morning? Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. We minister the word to them and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them and teach them. Now, I would not invite them to be in any kind of leadership or volunteer position and represent the church in any way or I don't want to communicate to them through my actions that I condone what they are involved in, but I do want to communicate to them that they are welcome here, that they are loved, that they are loved unconditionally. They're loved right where they're at. 
and mm -hmm. they are they are welcomed into this community because we are a, a community of people seeking to be transformed all the time and so i'm seeking to be transformed and i would and that's that's kind of the expectation we want for anybody who walks in our doors is that if you come in this place you know get ready buckle up because <laughs> you're in here to be transformed and I think at the point where we start telling God, you know, hey, here are the areas where I'm willing to let you transform me, and here are the areas where I'm not willing to let you transform me. I think that we've, we're on pretty uh, shaky ground there. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for answering my questions. Yeah, and I appreciate it. It's it's not a it's not a simple topic. I don't think we solved you know the world's problems in our conversation today, but. Um, but we need to keep talking about this because, like you said, you have friends and I have friends, and it's not. This is not going to go away. This is going to increase as the years come. So, God bless you. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in. Love to hear from you on the topic of what we've been talking about with. Uh, homosexuality, homosexual marriage, or any other topic that's on your heart or on your mind, give us a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests as well. Hopefully we can answer them. We'd love to pray for you. 303-690-3000 or text us, 720-336-0897. Uh, we have a few text questions that have come in. Let's go ahead and look at those real quick. Uh, first one says this, How can I be a spiritual leader as a husband? Next week it will have been one year being married. Hey, congratulations on your one year anniversary. And so glad that you know, you've know you experienced God's grace in that, coming together and being one year married. And hey, I just want to commend you also for your desire to be a spiritual leader as a husband. I don't think it's really complicated for you. So that's the good news. The, uh, let me give you some things. What does it mean to be a spiritual leader? Well, it means that you take the lead. That's what leaders do, right? You set the tone and you take the lead. And what that means, leaders initiate, right? Leaders go first. And so how do you initiate? Well, it means that I want you to, as a spiritual leader and as a husband, I want you to be the one who initiates spiritual practices. You're going to be the one who says to your wife, Let's pray. Let's sit down and pray. Or maybe when something comes up and you're talking about something, who the one who says, let's pray for this thing right now. You're going to be the one, uh, not only who leads the prayer time, but also says, hey, honey, let's get out the Bible and let's read the Bible. And, you know, for me and my family, we tend to do it at the dinner table. It just happens to be a time where we're all sitting down and focused and nobody's got a screen. And so we read the Bible oftentimes. My kids are super slow eaters, and so it's very convenient because I'm not. So I eat really fast, and then I read the, we read the Bible as a family. We talk. So prayer, reading the Bible, I want to encourage you to be the initiator when it comes to going to church. You're the one, uh, you know, shaking her out of bed rather than the other way around saying, Honey, uh, it's Sunday morning. Let's get dressed. Let's go down to church uh, before we do anything else you know, the one who initiates. I think that's the biggest thing. Initiate in those ways. And I'll just read you real quick what it says about husbands loving your wives in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what does that mean? It means that love, love in marriage and love as a husband is meant to emulate 
the love of Christ, the dedication of Christ, the faithfulness of Christ to the church. So to be a spiritual leader means to love sacrificially. It means that your attitude towards your wife is one of serving, not one of how can what can she do for me. It's one of that, but he says also, seeing that she would be sanctified, having cleansed her with the washing of the word. So one of your prerogatives is to see your wife become more like Jesus, to see her become more holy. That is one of your goals as a spiritual leader. And the washing of the word, of course, is a reference there to the scriptures and how the scriptures have this effect on us where they, they wash our minds and they cleanse us. They have this cleansing effect. And so um, it goes on there. You know, love your wife the way you love your own body. Uh, he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated himself but nourishes his flesh uh, and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So I hope that gives you some, uh, some handles, something to hold on to and take with. And let's pray for you and for others who are married. Heavenly Father, we pray for uh, this texter who's texted in. Uh, Lord, thank you for your grace in their life, sustaining them over this last year of being married. Lord, we pray that their marriage would continue to grow and flourish by your grace. Lord, we pray that you would help this person to uh, love his wife, as you love the church, Lord, to initiate in prayer and scripture reading and church attendance and to be the spiritual leader in the, in the home. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to our next caller, Freddie in Greeley. Freddie, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Great, great. Um, I was talking to the guy before you that picked up the phone, um, you guys ready for my question? Yeah, yeah, you're on the air live. Um, okay, so I was telling him that um, I have, I we me and my family we went through something pretty traumatic. Um, we went to a congregation, a Christian church, um, and the pastor uh, he was accused of a whole bunch of things. Um, a lot of them ended up being true, and. Um, now, we obviously left the church, and now, you know, it's hard for me and it's hard for my family, especially to kind of trust, uh, you know, a, a church again or trust the pastor or anything like that. I, I, you know, I've, I've never stopped believing in God. I still love Him. I still give Him thanks every day, and we still pray and everything. But at the same time, I don't feel like we could ever open up again to, to, to you know, being part of, a church, and I just wanted to know what you, what your advice was. Yeah, I want to read you this quote from C.S. Lewis. He has this really interesting quote. Here's a, and and I think it applies to what you're talking about. And I, I just want to say first of all that I'm really sorry that you had that experience. I'm sorry that you felt betrayed. I'm sorry that you felt um, you know, disappointed. Uh, I just want to encourage you. Every person in the world will disappoint you. If you get close enough to them, it is only Jesus. You know, we trust in him and we will never be put to shame. And so we, we put our, our hope and our trust not in uh, great men and women or even good men and women, but only in the Lord. And we understand that people are fallible, that we're but dust, that the best of men are but men at best. And so I want you to begin there. But I also want to tell you, I'm sorry that happened to you. The next thing I want to tell you is that um, to be part of a church, to be part of a Christian community, 
and to be committed to that Christian community is biblical and it's what God wants for you. It's what God wants for every believer. And I really believe that you cannot become the person who God wants you to be apart from committed Christian fellowship. So I want you to know it's a, it's a biblical imperative for you to be part of a, a Christian community. Now, that's going to require some courage on your parts to, to go back and let trust be built. And I will tell you, of course, that's the issue with trust. Trust is lost in a second, but it takes a long time to build it. But I would encourage you um, to get back into fellowship. Um, and, you know, I know that you'll do it cautiously. It's like putting your, your toes back in the water. Right? It's like getting back on a horse uh, after you've fallen off. Um, but I want to encourage you to do it. I want to encourage you to take advice from people. Get get into a good fellowship. Look for you know people giving you good advice about a good fellowship to be a part of, and uh, and a good healthy fellowship. And so, uh, I wanted to read you this quote from C.S. Lewis. And here's what he said. He said, "To love at all is to be vulnerable." And I w- I would apply that to your situation. And say you know to to attend a church, you know, you're, you're making yourself somewhat vulnerable, right? But here's what he said. If you love anything, your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure to keep your heart intact, then give it to no one. Don't even give it to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and luxuries. Avoid all entanglements, right? So entanglement would be like even in a church. Lock your heart up safe in the casket or coffin of your own self-love and in that casket safe dark motionless airless your heart will change it will not be broken but it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable to love is to be vulnerable so my point with what he says i think he's he's making such an important point which is where we say hey i've got to protect myself that that can be our our thing i've been hurt therefore i need to protect myself i need to look out for number one so i can make sure i never get hurt again what he's saying is anytime uh, you love, you are opening yourself up to being hurt, but it's absolutely worth it. And the, the opposite of it, the, the other option is to say, I'm going to protect myself by never making myself vulnerable again. And he says, if you do that, basically you, you, you become a shell of a person. You, do, you are not who God made you to be, and you can't grow in that place. And I believe that's true, and I want that for you. So I just want you to know that um, you know people fail. I'm really sorry that happened to you, but I do want to encourage you, get back into fellowship. It's going to take time for that trust to be rebuilt, but give someone the opportunity to, um, to rebuild that trust. You know, When you go back into that church, you don't need to, to dive in 100%. You can just go and sit and receive. In fact, I think that's probably the best thing to do when you show up at a new church is sit, receive, uh, receive the word. And you know, if there are things in that church, maybe you got to spit out some seeds as well. But do that, and, and it will be worth it. So uh, I hope that helps, Freddie. Um, I'll tell you what, some of Jesus' disciples, they were pretty gnarly dudes and, uh, you know, who did some bad stuff. One guy was called um, Simon the Zealot. And what the Zealots would do is they would carry these hook knives and they would stab people with them who, were, who didn't agree with them politically. Then you got Matthew the tax collector, literally had a lot of money but no friends. Just some, some bad, rough characters. And... Um, you know, I'm sure that as they led their churches, they made a lot of mistakes.
but God used them and um, and we grow. You know, one of the things I love about the picture it tells us there in the uh, in First Peter, it describes the church as, you know, we're being built together like living stones. It's this picture of the temple being built, but it says that we are the stones that we're being stacked upon. We're build, being built up into a holy habitation for the Lord. One of the reasons I love that picture is because, you know, what happens with stones when you put them in close proximity to each other is that they bump into each other and they rub against each other. And maybe we feel that way sometimes in fellowship, that there's this guy and he rubs me the wrong way. And, you know, he's got a lot of rough edges. But you know what the effect is, that is that as my rough edges bump up against your rough edges, both of our rough edges are smoothed out and we both benefit from it. So, um, Freddie, I'll, I'll give you the floor real quick. Do you have anything to respond to that? And if not, then I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you guys. No, that was great advice, man. Um, I'll definitely pass it along to my family, and we'll try to look for somewhere, and hopefully we can tenderize our hearts one step at a time and um, eventually have that trust that we once had. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it takes time, but uh, but definitely... It's worth the risk of stepping back into fellowship. Here, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you a couple of good churches that I know of that in your area. If you're in Greeley, first one I'd recommend to you is there's a Calvary Chapel in Greeley. Uh, Jeff Figs is one of the hosts here on this show as well on different days of the week. Check out that church, Calvary Chapel in Greeley. I know Jeff really well. What a pure-hearted and good person. Um, so I really recommend uh, Calvary Chapel in Greeley. The other church I'd recommend, is next church I'd recommend after that is my church here in Longmont. I know that we're probably about 45 minutes away from you, but we'd love to have you. We do have other people who come from kind of the South Greeley, Gilcrest, uh, Platteville, Evans area. So we would love to have you, you know, if it's not too far of a drive, you're welcome here at Whitefields Church in Longmont. We're actually closer now to the east side of town, so we're a little a few minutes closer. And then the other one I would say is um, Calvary Chapel down in Brighton. You know, just a straight shot down Highway 85 from you guys. I know Pastor Paul very well as, as well, and, and he's a good man. So uh, those are my recommendations for you, but let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I lift up Freddie to you and his family, and I lift up others who are listening in and saying, you know what, that's my same story. I, I've been hurt by people, and I'm struggling to trust again. Lord, I pray that you would help uh, those who have been hurt to not isolate, Lord, but to take the risk um, and to to get back into fellowship where they can grow and where they can uh, be made into disciples, where they can use their gifts for your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, for them that you'd heal what's been broken, forgive those who have sinned against them, and help them to be restored. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Freddie. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, we've got about eight minutes left in our show, which means that we could probably have time for one or two more calls. If you want to give me a call, the number is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. We've got a lot of text messages that have come in. Let's go ahead and go through some of those. It uh, looks like there'll be a lot of short, quick ones. Uh, we've got one here that says... Hi, Pastor Nick. Can you tell me your thoughts on the number 153 in John 21, 11? Let's read that verse first so, she, so everyone understands. 
you know, this is the time when Jesus caught or Jesus meets Peter after his resurrection. Jesus meets Peter. Peter's back on the shores of Galilee, or he's actually on the water of Galilee, and he's fishing again. And Jesus shows up and tells Peter, you know, to cast his net on the other side. He'd been fishing all night and not caught anything. He tells him, cast his net on the other side. And he brings in a large haul, it says, full of large fish, 153 of them. So what is the meaning of that number 153? She asked, do you, it's Benita, she asked, do you think this is a literal number or is it something more in depth, perhaps the number of people or tribes on the earth at that time? Um, thanks and God bless. So actually, I do know that there have been allegorical interpretations of that number uh, throughout history. Some people have speculated, and I would just emphasize that these are speculations, that that one, number 153 meant something, and that, that is one of the big speculations. The 153 referred to the number of tribes on the earth. Now, we now know that there are many more than 153 tribes on the earth, and even at that time, there were more than that as well. Um, so that that's very unlikely that it is that. Um, here's what's most likely, and what most uh, scholars agree is that that number 153 was simply the number of fish and it speaks to the veracity of the text right it doesn't say he caught 150 fish as a round number it tells us exactly how many fish he caught why because it's telling us exactly what happened it's being written by John who was perhaps even there you know and so what fishermen would do is they of course they count all their fish when they bring them in before they take them to sell them if you go to um, Capernaum, which was the town where Jesus lived with the house at the house of Peter, uh, you see Peter's house, and what you see is that Peter was the leader, most likely, of a large fishing business in that town. He had a fish storage area in his house, and so it's likely that Peter was a pretty big fisherman and salesman, and so um, it's very likely that this number 153 was simply the number of fish that were caught. So thanks, Benita, for your question, and God bless you. Uh, we have another question. Someone texts in and says, Can a consistent sinner who understands they are sinning, who understands what they are doing is sin, and they regret that sin, but they are overcome by it, can they truly be saved if they believe? It's an interesting question, an interesting way of phrasing it. Um, let's put it this way. The Bible does not give uh, confidence to the person who is living in consistent, knowledgeable sin. It doesn't give any promises to that person, right? And so now we may be dealing with something, but here's what I would tell you. We may be dealing with something here which is an addiction, you know, someone who constantly falls. We may be dealing here with someone who is, you know, just brazenly uh, doesn't care. Here's the one word that sticks out to me in your question, and that's the word regret. And I think that is the key issue. See, here's the deal. It, it's about uh, the trajectory of your heart. It's about the attitude of your heart. If you're a person who says, you know, I, I keep doing this. I don't want to do this. I want to be set free. I, I keep falling back into it, and I hate it. I, I want God to set me free, but I just keep, I just cannot seem to get victory over this. Um, to that person, I would say that the Bible gives a lot of confidence. See, the thing about, um, you know, committing the unforgivable sin, right, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, is that you become callous to the point where you stop responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to repent. 
And so you don't care anymore. So when I talk to people who say, hey, I want to be saved. I really struggle with this thing. I don't know what to do. You know, I say, first of all, uh, and there's a saying from St. Augustine where he said, the desire for grace is the very first grace. In other words, the fact that you have regret over your sin, the fact that you weep over it, the fact that you repent of it, and, and really that, that's the question. Is this person repentant or not? You know, in First John, John says this. He says, you know, no one who practices sin can be a child of God. And w- what that means, think about that practice. What, what are the things you practice? You practice your golf swing. You, you practice the guitar. Why? Because you want to get better at those things. And so if you're a person who practices sin the way you practice your golf swing or practice the guitar in an, uh, in an effort to get better at it, that's, that's a brazen attitude. It's an attitude that's unrepentant. that says, not only am I going to do this, I'm going to do it twice and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm not going to care what God thinks about it, right? But if you're, let's put it this way, a pig and a sheep can both fall into the mud, but the pig lives for the mud. They wake up every morning dreaming about mud and how they're going to go jump into it. They plan out how they're going to do it. A sheep might fall into the mud from on occasion, but it's not the goal and purpose of their life. They, they don't like doing it. And so it's about being a new creation in Christ. And that's one of the signs. What is your attitude towards sin? So thanks for that question. It's a good one. And I hope I answered it to a, a way that can help you understand. One last question. What's the difference between Lucifer and Satan? Very simple. Meaning of terms. Lucifer actually means light because Satan was formerly an angel of light before his fall. And the word Satan literally means adversary in Hebrew, whereas the word devil means accuser in Greek. So these are just different terms that give us different insights into who the enemy of our souls is. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. Check us out in person or online this weekend, 9 and 11 a.m. at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you and have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.